on a study today about importance of living on the right road. Sermon notes are just a tool we came up with some years ago, over 10 now, that allow you to at least take something home with you and you can kind of say, you can't say, I don't know what he talked about. That's one thing you can't say. Uh, the, the study we're in this month is, is, is all about living on the right road and it proposes the question, is your life on the right road? If you're not careful, your life can get in the wrong place and you can be driving down the road you don't need to be driving down. In the last several weeks, I've been doing a prison tour for the Department of Corrections. I'm very honored to be doing that for them. And in this tour, I'm going to all the prisons and I'm talking about choices to female prisoners, male prisoners. And this week we did two female prisons. And I didn't know prisons were so far up in the mountain. I mean, they're everywhere, man. I mean, they're way up and down. And if you escape, you got a long way to run, I'm telling you. <laughs> And so I was, I was uh, in, this, uh, uh, in this tour, you know, getting to the right place is really important. And in life, believe it or not, the same thing is true. You can go a long way in the wrong direction and not realize until you've gotten there. You're miles and miles off track when it comes to your finances, miles and miles off track when it comes to your relationships. Miles and miles off track when it comes to your emotional stability. You can find yourself in a very bad place and, and you can be incredibly frustrated and not know why. How did I get here is the question. And how do I get to where I want to be? Well, for a lot of fathers, for them, it is just as challenging. And so I call this sermon today, Fathering on the Right Road, because every dad wants to do it right but every dad doesn't. In this room, there are a variety of testimonies. If I were to ask a question, were you raised with your father? A lot of people would say, yeah, I was raised with my father. Some would say, for a while. I asked this question the other day, and afterward I was touched by one person who came up to me and said, well, I mean, he died when I was four, so do I raise my hand or do I not raise my hand? A person who was raised with a father who was abusive, what would they say? Or a father who was present but not emotionally connected, what would they say? Sometimes when you ask that question, you get really, really confused. There's something about us, there's something about those of us who operate in this position as fathers. There's often not a manual. There's no one that teaches you how to do this. Very seldom is there someone who says, let me show you how to father, and especially when you get past a certain age. When men get past their teenage years, they often feel as if they're independent and grown, and there's, not, there's very seldom a man who can stop you. And that's really interesting because those are the years you knew, really needed. You can make more mistakes in your teenage, 18, 19, 20 year, in those years. You, can, you start off making those mistakes in high school. Middle school, it really cranks up. But high school, by high school, you, you, you fixed yourself up pretty good if you're not careful. A lot of the reason that so many don't go to college is because in middle and high school, they get distracted, become class clowns, become people who are more interested in finding a girl or a guy 
And by the time they get to 10th, 11th grade, their academics have gone down. And now it's a mountain climb because your reading's not where it should be. Your math's not where it should be. And then you don't qualify for the, for the SAT the way you want to. You can't get the loans. You can't get the grants. It's a whole lot of things that go wrong. And so you get discouraged. And you have this huge dropout rate, which feeds prisons. You, know, you ought to pay attention to the fact that most of the guys in prison did not finish high school. You should note that. That should, that, should, that should ring a bell for you if you want to drop out. You, you quadruple your chances of going. There's something about high school. The guy who committed this tragedy didn't finish. There's a, there's a link to choices we make. There's a link, direct link. And sometimes what's really surprising is the father link. All the stats amaze me. I, 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 um, I want to um, read a Bible verse to you in a minute, but I want to show you something that I, I just thought was fascinating. I, I just don't even know how to, well, let me just let the numbers say it for me. There's something called the Father Factor, National Fatherhood Initiative. And the Father Factor, if you go to fatherhood.org, you, you see this uh, list of statistics about the impact of a father in your life and the impact the father has on your, on your world. It's really a quite, quite phenomenal. And um, one, one person said to me, they said, you know, I wish he didn't have this much power in my life. I wish it wasn't true. But just for the sake of helping fathers understand how important you are, I want you to watch this. The positive impact of fatherhood involvement. In a study examining father involvement with 134 children of adolescent mothers over the first 10 years of life, researchers found that father-child contact was associated with better social, emotional, and academic functioning. They did better socially, they did better emotionally, and they did better academically. The result indicated that children with more involved fathers experienced fewer behavioral problems and scored higher on reading achievement. This study showed the significance of the role of the father in the lives of at-risk children, even in the case of non-resident fathers. When it comes to poverty, children in father-absent homes, that's what they call them, father-absent homes, are almost four times more likely to be poor. In 2011, 12% of children in married couple families were living in poverty compared to, look at this now, 44% of children and mother-only families. Now, I want to pause here for a minute because one of the things that can happen as I go through this is you can start feeling like, well, mamas don't do a good job. That's not the point. I even want to make the point that some mothers would say, I can be a mother and a father. You can't be. God did not design you to be both. Well, I, don't, I have to be. No, you don't. You'd be a great mother. You'll get the job done. I was raised by a single parent, and she did a great job. And so you don't have to be mother and father. You don't have to take the title. Here's why, because I can't be father and mother. If I tried to claim your title, you'd say, well, you can't do that. Well, how are you going to claim mine? There are unique things a mother brings to the table, and there are unique things that a father brings to the table. Now, here's the problem. If it's not there, then... What happens? Well, problems, challenges. And every single parent understands this. Whether you be a father or a mother, and it's mainly mothers who are single parents, 
They understand how hard this is, but be clear. There is a design that God put together. And if I, if I can just digress for a moment, because I, 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 there's a whole lot of studies. I can go through the emotional behavior of children, the maternal, behavior, uh, maternal issues, uh, crime, uh, child abuse, uh, teen pregnancy, uh, incarceration, drugs, abuse, obesity, obesity even. Uh, edgy, edgy, all that's affected. All that, I can go through all these, and I'm not going to read them all, but I, all, all those stats are horrible. They're not encouraging when you look at what happens when a father is not present. But can I, can I step out of this for a minute and make an observation? You know how all of this starts? It's how we build relationships. It really is about relationships. Ariana made a statement. You know who she is, right? Did I say her name right? Ariana, I said her name right, right? She made a comment in one of her interviews, and she was talking to a woman who was crying about the father not being there, and she said, well, you chose him, right? <laughs> I, I thought it was the most amazing show I'd seen. She said, Paul, hey, 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 hey. You did have a relationship. She didn't say it like that. She made it more plain. She made it more plain. She said it in a way that made me sit up. I said, ooh, that's straight. Her point was, it is sometimes about relationships. It's how we start, how we pick, and what we do once we start a relationship. I'm going to do a whole series on sex. You probably shouldn't come to church that month. <laughs> I haven't named the month, but this year I'm going to do one whole series Four sermons, so you can stream in if you're shy. I'll make it as graceful as I can. But I think that we don't understand that a lot of the dynamics that we are dealing with are tied to and rooted in the way we build relationships. And it manifests itself in some of these issues. And it causes some of these consequences. Fix the way we start relationships will fix a lot of that. And what's really tragic, if you look back and you try to sort out all of, the, all of what happened, and you go through that, you know, as a kid, you, well, what happened to me? And how did I get here? And what and who did you know? And all that. But when you try to sort through all that, here's what you come to. It's all about how we start relationships. It's the, it, this, this is not how God wanted us to start it. And these are not, if I can code in a cold way, these are not the elements he wanted in a non-married relationship because of the dynamics it creates. But because we ignore those things, we sometimes ignore what could potentially happen. We are living in a world that's operating outside of God's design. And so when you live outside of God's design, school teachers, you get this right, you tell students, this is your homework, this, this is the scale you're gonna be graded on, and then what happens? They don't do the homework, right? They do it their own way. They live their own way. They're cool. They got shoes. They style. They profile. And when graduation time comes, the parents want to come to school and talk to you. Anybody there with me today? Everybody wants to know, well, how in the world did this happen? Okay, well, we, <laughs> we told you in the beginning, this is how it works. You come here. You do this work. You get these grades for these, for these, for these tests, and this is how you get through. You can't be totally shocked that all of this is a mess when you don't do it right. 
Can you say amen? amen. I mean, there's something, there's, and, and you got to back up for a second. I'm not saying that if a father doesn't father, that there's something that we excuse. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just simply saying, go back to the root for a moment, and let's understand, even though all the stats say what they say, it really is about us trying to, to live life without God. It's, it's, it's trying to live life without any standard or any, any guidelines. It's, it's just free love. No, it's not free. This is the price tag. The price tag that you pay and somebody else pays, and for generations people pay. It's choices that two people make. And sometimes I think it's hard to back up and say, you know, if I had done that differently, maybe we, our whole family would have a different set of circumstances. Our whole family for generations can be different. I was, I, was, I was encouraged when I was a young person to be sexually active. I was encouraged to be. I was told that was the best thing in the world. As a matter of fact, I was told if I wasn't, I'd get bumps on my face. That's what I was taught. I was told that's the coolest thing in the world. I was never told to admire a woman's intelligence or admire her, her brilliance or to, to, to celebrate her skill. None of that. Look at her hips. Look at her eyes. Look at her. Oh, boy. As if that defines who she is. One of the most amazing things about going to ladies' prisons is you see some really fine women in prison who smile and you go, what you doing in here? You're too cute to be in here. You find out cute's got nothing to do with it. Crazy come in all colors. Come on, say amen, right? It comes in all shapes, sizes. People make crazy decisions. Come on, people. Come on, amen. It, it doesn't matter. Some of you say, well, all the men, I can take you to one of some of those prisons I go to. There's some good-looking brothers in there for killing people. <laughs> and they're for a reason. It, it, I don't know that we, we somehow I think we, we have the wrong conversations. And I, I, and I want to say this to you. I don't, I don't think it's fair. I think it's fair to have honest conversations because some of you, your biggest dream, I want to meet my father because you never met him. I want to meet my father. I've heard this a lot. And I've heard men say, if I met my dad, I don't know what I'd say. Here's, here's the only thing that a father can tell you when he messes up. And their dad's in here who've done it. I'm sorry. There are no other words. Tell me what you can say. You ever failed somebody? Have you ever failed anybody? Tell me what you can say. What else can you do? Can you go back in time? You can't fix it. And what you can do is build from where you are. Build from right here. And there's something that happens when you understand that. Now, I want to give you what God gave us as a guideline. Deuteronomy. I'm sorry. I want to say Deuteronomy. It's not. It's Psalms. Apologize. My brain's on many sermons, forgive me. Psalm 78, verse 5. That's next month we go to Deuteronomy. This month we're in Psalms. Psalm 78 and 5. This talks about what fathers should do with their children. This gives us a, a starting place. And I want you to, I want you to know that um, it sounds so simple but it's, it's what changes everything. If you're a dad who didn't do it right, you can't go back and change that. What you can do is start where you are. And what you can do is you can make a simple commitment. 
And here's what the Bible said. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, here we go, to teach their children. Even if your children are grown, be profound to sit down and say, here's where I made my mistakes. Here's what I want to pass on to you. Don't make this same decision. I, I should have been more relationally responsible. The whole way this started wasn't right. That's all he can say. Pass on what you know. That's your greatest fatherly assignment, to teach. And you don't just teach by lecturing. You teach by living. You teach by the way you respond to things. You teach by being engaged. You teach by being available. You teach by stepping up, owning up, speaking up, calling, engaging, not sitting in some corner feeling bad about what happened to you. There's something about stepping up. And he says, I want you to teach your children. And I, I can't say this enough. Stop thinking you stop teaching when they get to be in high school. That's so off. That's just so wrong, especially, listen to me. Well, it's not, no, I almost said especially with boys. It's just as bad with girls. It's just as bad. How many girls that I've talked to just, just wish they had a father who would just say something? And not just grunt. I mean, how about just can you have a conversation? Take a chance. Pick up your phone and call your kids and say hi. Well, it's Father's Day, they ought to call me. Really? You're the leader, right? Call them. I made a promise, and I, I, will, I will always keep it. I will always reach first. I will always reach first, and I refuse to feel bad. Here's, here's what I think is, is just amazing. Kids think certain ways at certain seasons. Say that with me, please. Come on. Kids think certain ways at certain seasons. Come on, say it again. Come on. Kids think certain ways at certain seasons. Now, if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in their season. Here's what you know. You know that parents die, and they don't have forever to call you. They don't get that. And it may take them a few dozen years to get it. We don't have time to wait on them. Call them. They, it just takes them a while to really, you know, you know I see it, I see it, you know why I see it? I see it in funerals. Oh my God, they're so focused. Oh my God, they're just, but their mom was in the hospital for six weeks, they went one time. I mean, that just, that's just, they, they don't get it. It's hard for me. Well, it's hard to die too. That's harder. I but, but it's okay, it's, it's part of, how people process. And so if you spend all of your life trying to, uh, I'm going to say it another way, allowing yourself to be frustrated, waiting for them, don't do that. Reach out to them. Make an effort. One of the great mistakes we fathers make sometimes, we don't make the effort. Now, here's, here's what I think really doesn't work. For all the women to go home and say, I hope you listen to this part of the tape. <laughs> I hope you don't get this sermon and then play it loud and say, hear this part of the sermon. You need to be more engaging. And let me just tell you, Pastor Rick was talking about you in church. That's not going to work. That's not coaching. They call that critiquing, criticism. They don't get it. They're not going to get that. 
My wife says something to me in the nicest spirit that really, I think, helped me see the value of this. She, she didn't say it in a way that was um, mean. She didn't say it in a way that belittled me. She simply looked at me one day and said, we need you. We just, we need you. Not your money, not your work. We just need you. Look, thank, I want you to pay out this. She said, I want you to pay all the bills. I want you to pay the bills now. So don't get me wrong. <laughs> but she made a point. She said, I, I want you to know you're important. And, and guys, you are. Statistically, the kids will come to church more because of you than the mother. You have a tremendous impact on every dimension of their life. And that's why he said, your job is to teach. Now, why fathers should teach? Here's why. Psalm 78 says that the next generation might know. The next generation. It's all about passing the ball to the next generation. The children, I love this part, yet unborn. And arise and tell them to their children. So what's going to happen is for generations, even the kids that aren't born yet, you weren't born 100 years ago. Your great-great-grandparents didn't see you. They never met you. But you're here. The impact of what they did has impacted you. And I want you to pause and think, that's going to be true in the next 100 years, in the next 50 years. The choices you make, the way you build relationships, the way you build family. One guy, really a friend of mine, he said something that was so powerful, it just rocked me. I, I never heard it said like this, and i got to be careful how I say it, but it was in a men's meeting. He said, one of the reasons that God doesn't want you to sleep around is because he doesn't want your seed everywhere. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want your family spread all out over the planet. He wants there to be a contained group of people who are functioning in obedience to God and that value their heritage in such a way. That's why you value your sexuality, because this is sacred. We're building family. We're building generations. This is not just something we're just kind of casting around. I don't care what they say in the songs. They're all wrong. We're building a family. We're building a future. You are the result of people being in love. And you are here today. And your value, is, is, you get it now. But if you're not careful, you won't get it where you are. I'm a father. And now Ricky is my son. And now Milani is my granddaughter. And then Christine is going to have another five or six. <laughs> don't tell her. Don't tell her. Shh, quiet. <laughs> I can just see that. Monica and Ricky, three or four or more. I got a big family. Can you see it already? Can you see it just growing? But it all starts here. What I do, how I behave, how I act. If I'm a cusser and a screamer and a fighter, if I'm an ignore you person, don't call you person, if I'm not a, if I'm, I refuse to hold your hand, I refuse. I mean, it's amazing. If I take that position, what will they be like? I'm the feeder guy. I'm the father. I give it to them. If, 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 is that what I teach? Here's what some of you should do. Say, come here. I taught you some bad stuff. Come here. Come here. Come here. You. Come here. 
taught you some bad stuff. Let me show you something different. Let me, let me interrupt this right now. Because here's what children can learn from you. And I'm done for the day before we do some questions. They should learn not to be like their fathers. That's what he said here in scripture. So profound. He says, he established the testimony of Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that they, that the next generation might know the children of yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children so that they should not set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So that they should set their hope in God, rather, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers. That is a statement that is painful. And here's how he describes the fathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation. Look back in your life and say, in what season of my life as a father was I rebellious? And, 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 and notice he says, your job as a father is to point that out to your children. You want, if you've done something wrong, you haven't parented right, here's what you tell your kids. That was a season when I was in rebellion. Just own up to it. That was a season when I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I should have done. I was in rebellion, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. There's something profound about saying, I was just off during that season. And sometimes that's a 10-year season, a 20-year season. For some of you, you're still in that season, and today you will change. Today you will say, I get that I have been fathering on the wrong road. I hope my grandchildren do not use the language that I use. I hope that my grandchildren and my granddaughter does not sleep around and does not. I hope my grandson does not do what I did. I pray he doesn't. Because what has it done for me? Here's where you pause and say, let me get on the right road. Let me father the way I should father. Why would you be a father who's unfaithful to your current wife? Help me understand that. What do you think? You, you really think that your little girl does not see you in the store looking at that woman? You think she didn't notice you looking her up and down? And then she start trying to dress her clothes like that woman so she can... I often hear this, little girls want to be the kind of woman that their daddy likes. If that's a hoochie mama, then they want to be a hoochie mama too. That's what they say. You got to be careful that you're not sowing a seed in your son, teaching him how to, be, how to be unfaithful. He hears you. He watches you. The subtle things, I can't hide anything. Christina thinks that she is a professional. She really, she really does. She really thinks she has a PhD in me. Her favorite line is, I know you. I say, you know me? Yes, sir. I know you and your tricks. I know what you're up to. If I try to trick her or something, she says, ha, ha, ha. I know you, buddy. You can't get me. I mean, it's just amazing. If I throw a sock at her, she ducks before I hit her. She's, she's just that good. She says, you know why, Dad? I've been with you for 27 years. They know if I don't pray. They know if I'm a phony up here. They know if my wife and I don't get along. 
They know if I'm lying about money. They know me. And what you want to be is the kind of father that when they know you, they embrace you and say, he's real. What I see is what I need to see in a man. And if you're not there, it's okay. Because here here's what you can do. Go and say, babe, I've not been a great example in some areas of my life. You don't have to even give a list. They can give you a list. <laughs> Lay it on the altar. Pray over it one time and start today. And say, from this moment on, I'm going to father on the right road. Did you learn something today? I hope so. I'm going to take about five minutes and I'm going to entertain what I call father questions. Now, I want to be clear about this. I want to make sure this is not a time to comment. There's a difference. Comments take us where I don't want us to go today. I want you to answer a, ask me a father-like question. Pastor, I have a question, a father question. My question is, and then we'll start there. So I'll take five minutes. Anybody have a father question? They have mics in the aisle. Raise your hand. And who wants to start the ball rolling? Anything you want to ask me, a, fa a father can ask this question. A wife can ask this question. A child, whoever has a Father's Day question, ask the question, please. Raise your hand. Who's the first one? I see the ball rolling down the river. Who has a father? There you go in the front row right here. There you go. I love that. You always be first. That's how God blesses you. Yes, go ahead. Okay. I have a question about um, my dad didn't do everything right, but I've forgiven him. It's been years I've forgiven him and loved him, and he's sick right now. And um, every time I go home or I get the opportunity to talk to him, he always relives and rehashes his wrong. And it's so hard because it makes me feel so awkward just because my heart, I don't want him to continue to relive that. And I tell him, Dad, it's okay. I love you. And I'm trying to everything I can not to do it. But how do you help someone that feels like they've done so much wrong and lost so much to not relive it every single time. You know what I mean? When he does it, I don't stop him. I just try to think of ways to, you know, Dad, I love you. It's okay. You know, I forgive you. Right. How do you do that and well, help them? Let me, let me say this. It's one of the interesting things about dealing with older people. Because older people really have a lot to think about. I mean, and you see them reliving what they've done right or wrong, and it's emotional for them. And a lot of times, all you can do is, is say, let me set the record straight. Here's how I feel. Here's how I see the world. And once you, you tell them you're free from that, you have to kind of pray them through that. It's their process. And sometimes it's a good process for them to go through because it puts things in perspective. But you can't really totally fix it, what you can do is embrace them and love them. And that helps them. Uh, they may say it to you, um, especially when they don't see you every day. If he saw you every day, he probably wouldn't say it every day. You know what I'm saying? It's because he sees you in six month increments or a year increment, then he, he feels the need to say it again. So I would just love him through it and he'll be okay. But I understand. Somebody else have a father question. A father question. Yes, sir. Right here in the front, please. You have a question about fathers. There you go, man. Are you okay, church? Say amen if you are. Amen. All right, go ahead. Uh, okay, so uh, I heard you say something earlier about, uh, you know, if you had a father, you per se said he died when you was four. 
Okay, in my situation, that did happen. But, you know, uh, as growing up, I learned, you know, the life he led and, you know, uh, what I was told, you know, by not just mom, but, you know, people outside of the home that knew the family well. And, uh, you know, just kind of uh, receiving it all, it was that the fact that came to me was that he still wouldn't have been there even if he didn't die. Wow. You know, so, you know, it's coming, I still think about it today. You know, the, my thing is, you know, how do I intake that? You know, this is my son here. You know, just not by him not being there, you know, it's to me, I know what that feel like. You know, so I have to be here. You know, but on, for his side, like. I get your you know. point. <laughs> let, let me respond to that. Let me say this to you, brother. Thank you. I, I, I think that, that that's a very real deal. Some people say, I, I mean, the way my father was living, he wouldn't have been there anyway. You just, you have to understand, fathers are people. And they go through seasons. And, you know, you just, you, you just have to pray for them and love them. And, I mean, you've had a season of your life. All of us have had seasons. And I, I just don't think you can dwell on that. Here's what you got to do. Focus on your son. And uh, focus on being with him. And taking him out and slam dunking on him and all that good stuff and playing with him. And, and I mean, enjoy that. Put your mind there. It's a much better place to be. Your father's at rest. Let's pray for you to be a model of a whole new generation. All right? Come on. Amen. Praise God. I'll take anybody else. A father question. Now, here's the next one. What, now, I want you to just yell this out for me. What did I say today that really spoke to you the most? What was, your, what was the highlight of the sermon? What do, you, what do you leave this building for? I want just the men to tell me. What do you leave with? What's your big point today? Raise your hand, guys. What? Generational. generational. The fact that what you're doing is generational. It's not just you. Somebody else. I need a guy. Yes. It starts with relationships. Pick, pick relationships and be responsible at that level, and it, it stops a lot of generational problems over the next 20, 30 years of your life. Yes? Build from where I am. Build from where you are. Lay it down. Build from where you are. Yes, sir? Reach out to them. Reach out to them. Call your children. Yes? Lead by example. Lead by example. All right. Anybody else? Guys. All right. Now, women, you get to speak now. See, the guys won't talk if you're talking. You ready? <laughs> what was your high point, ladies? What do you leave with? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want to hear you. Yes. Be engaged. Be engaged. All right. Yes. Fathers teach your children. Fathers teach your children. Ladies, what stands out to you? Ladies, talk to me. Make the effort. Make the effort. Yes. It started with us. We're all in this. Anybody else? I'll take one more lady. Who wants the last word? Where are you? Over here. Yes. Two. Okay. Say what now? You can't be a mother and a father. You can be an awesome mother, like mine was, but you can't play both roles. Is there another one? Was that it? Where was the other one? That's it? All right. Here's what I want to say. God has blessed you, and I want you to lift your hand with me and pray this prayer. Now, Lord, I pray for every hand lifted. I pray for every father. I pray for everyone that's been injured by a father. I pray for everyone who has been disappointed. I ask you in Jesus' name to bring healing and blessing to the lives of your people. I pray for restoration. I pray for grace. I pray for you to do what only you can do. I declare by faith, Lord God, that your hand is upon us today. If there are father wounds, heal those wounds. I declare by faith that we leave happier. There's a father here who has failed. May he know that he's loved by God. And may he say, I'll do what I can do starting from here. And if there are those who feel 
disconnected from their fathers. May they reach out to them. And if they can't, if their fathers are gone on, may they say, thank God for being in the world. Thank God for the opportunity. What I have, I have. And I pray that you'd raise up people in their lives. Some of us, Lord God, have people that became that second father to us. They taught us how to do things. A precious guy last night said an uncle was that key in his life. He said with tears in his eyes that it was his uncle who came and saved the day. His uncle stepped in and provided the support and the kindness. Father God, let us be uncles who do that. Let us be men who make a difference. And I pray for those single moms who are tempted to feel alone and tempted to feel, well, if I can't be the father and the mother, I don't know what I can do. They can be a great mother. Let them feel peace and let them know that your hand is on their lives. And I declare right now in Jesus' name on this Father's Day, we're going to have a happy day in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Can we give God a big happy clap and a big praise? Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want you to go ahead if you're here today and you, you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, my life is not right with God, but I want to get right with God. Let this be the day you pray the prayer. Jesus, come into my life. Let me start over again today. Matter of fact, can we bow our heads one more time for a final prayer? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I realize that my life with God is not where it needs to be. And I want you to pray for me. I want to start a walk with God today. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to be a father with all the answers or a mother with all the answers or a child with all the answers. But you say, you know, I want you to pray for me today on Father's Day. If that's your desire because you want to start a walk with God, you feel like I need that prayer, raise your hand. Anybody say, pray this prayer for me. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see you. I see you as well. Anybody else? Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray. I see you as well. Anybody else? Some of you are raising your heart and some of you are raising your hands. Father, we pray for all of those today who've raised their hearts on this Father's Day. May their walk with Jesus start today. May their walk with God start today. May they say, I need to start my life going in the right direction. And I pray for forgiveness and for a brand new start. Thank you for loving us where we are and for giving us a chance to start again. In the Lord Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say amen. amen. Well, listen, that prayer was a prayer. I want